Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another Revisionist Grizzly podcast series under the core four on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network with the core four, GBB Live, and 3ND Podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me today is none other than Connor Dunning, the producer of the Giannato and Jeffrey show every day on 92.9 ESPN from 2 to 4. Connor, what's going on? What's up, sir? Doing pretty well. You know, just staying safe, washing those hands. How about you? Pretty, I mean, same here, you know, just really trying to focus on, you know, not being stagnant because, I mean, it's easy to do that when you're inside, you know? I know. Not, that's, that, that's the hardest part, not going stir crazy. Thank God for the last dance. Thank God for the last dance. Um, thank God for Netflix. Thank God yes. for technology in general. Like if you if this were to happen in like the seventies or eighties, I would have been a madman. <laughs> what we had to read? Come on. Like, what? <laughs> exactly. And you know, for this revisionist history, we're gonna throw it back further than we ever have before. And that's really not far because um Grizzlies history is not even 30 years old yet. And we just celebrated the 25th anniversary this season. Um, But this will probably go down as one of the bigger what ifs that's not really talked about in Grizzlies history. So in 1997, the Vancouver Grizzlies traded away a future first round pick for a 35-year-old Otis Thorpe. And to make it even worse, they only had him for half a season. And, I mean, that's as bad as disastrous as you can get when you consider that that future first-round pick was one pick away from being LeBron James. Because for some reason, they thought having that pick top one protected was a brilliant idea. It was like a Chris Wallace move before Chris Wallace was in the front office. Right. And it's, it's one of those things, too, where, like, you think, damn, how close they were to LeBron. I mean, that, even at that, you also are like, wow, couldn't they have not protected it, like, top five to where they could still have a shot at Carmel Anthony or Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade? Like, that would have been nice, at least. Right. And when you really break it down, it was probably the move that prevented that first playoff era to never have a playoff win, if you really break it down that way. Right. Well, because the team that would have drafted LeBron was actually a pretty stacked Grizzlies team, so he would have been sliding into an already good team. It wasn't – it's not like they were some bottom-of-the-league – like, uh, lottery team at that point. They would have had – he would have slid into a really good team, and – We'll get into it a little bit later, but I think that those teams could have made some runs in the early 2000s because a lot of those Grizzlies rosters are slept on. Absolutely. And honestly, who's a better person to talk LeBron with than you, Connor? Uh, I don't know if there's, another, uh, if there's a better person. Maybe Brian Windhorst. He may be the only human being on the planet that's better to talk to about LeBron with me. It's, I mean, as, as many people know, uh, LeBron's the, one of the huge reasons I fell in love with the NBA. I mean, 
Space Jam and Michael Jordan were absolutely an introduction to it and they helped, but LeBron was our guy. Um, I was, I mean, I vividly remember the day he got drafted. I remember following him early. His, his autobiography was one of the first ones I, I really read as a kid and it really helped me help follow his story. It was the book that, in, that more than the game was based on. It was, it was that biography that was written talking about how he came up through poverty and all the perseverance and things he had to go through to get to where he was and his relationship with his high school teammates, his high school coach and all of that. It's just, it's kind of the basis of what LeBron became. So I've been a huge fan of his forever. I mean, the Grizzlies are absolutely the number one team in my heart and I'll never root for LeBron over the Grizzlies if they ever went head to head, but it's uh, LeBron's my guy. He just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know. And so I think the big overarching takeaway with like how close they were to getting LeBron is just like the context of Memphis basketball at the time, because I think the Grizzlies were two seasons in within their Memphis tenure. And then they had one more season in the pyramid before moving into a brand new FedEx form. So, and also too, like before Joe ends up texting me, asking me how old I was when this all went down, I was six years old. And granted, that might, you know, take, I don't want it to take away any sort of like credibility on like the subject or anything, but it would have just been transformative in my basketball fandom and my basketball years because the guy that I'm learning basketball about is with LeBron James, the guy that's right. billed to be the next Michael Jordan and the guy who's honestly lived up to the billing. I know it's just like a loaded question, but what what will it would have been like if LeBron was a Memphis Grizzly? The best way I can describe it, and it's not a perfect, it's not going to be like a, a perfect analogy, but basically, I think that the the early two thousands Grizzlies would have had a love affair with the city similar to that that the G and G era Grizzlies had, because if we're being completely honest with ourselves. The city did not fully accept the Grizzlies until the G&G era. I think that LeBron would have just fast-forwarded that process because not only do you have LeBron at the height, or would you have had the Grizzlies at the height of their powers, but the Tigers would have been rolling too. And then introducing LeBron into a city that not only had the Tigers doing really well with Coach Cal with the Grizzlies, just Memphis basketball in general would have been ignited in a way that we haven't seen in a very long time. Kind of the feeling that we had I guess the kind of feeling that we have now with the Tigers and the Grizzlies where we have a bunch of hope and we think that the future could have a bunch of championships and we really feel like two dynasties could be starting to build now and we're seeing them start building on the ground floor. I think we would have had that feeling back in 2003, 2004. And I mean, he would have taken over the entire city. It would have been fantastic. Now, I don't know if he would have had the same relationship. Like he just would. He wouldn't have had the same relationship with Memphis as he had with Akron, Ohio and Cleveland because that's his hometown and he's he's from there and I also don't think he would have ever really made the comeback to Memphis but I do think that his first run if we go back and we look at it because we would have had him for about seven seasons I would guess um, I think that that run could have netted a championship and I think that it would have just cemented the Grizzlies a hundred percent as Memphis and it would also have, I think, wiped away any of those talks about the team moving because he would have helped the Grizzlies rise to such a level in the NBA 
on the totem pole, I think, that it would have kind of eliminated the talk that, oh, well, the Grizzlies could move at some date, which I'm not saying that they will. I don't think that they will at all. But I think that that talk would have completely ended with the LeBron run. Yeah, I agree with that final point there about it erase any any doubts about the team potentially moving. Right, because they would have been an immediate success. It would have been a sellout. Like every night would have been a sellout. Oh, yeah, especially like when you consider like – you know, like a very young LeBron James, but even then, like Power Gasol was freaking awesome in the 2000s. Like he was a top oh, five yeah. power forward. Right. I, I mean, LeBron in his, let's see, like my, like the 05, 06 Grizzlies team would have been the one I think that had the best chance to win a championship. And that's a roster where you have Shane Battier, Brian Cardinal, who was good as a Grizzly, Power Gasol, Bobby Jackson was fine. Dante Jones was, was serviceable. Eddie Jones was good. You have Mike Miller as a sharpshooter, like Lorenzen Wright down low, Hakeem Wark, an athletic freak. And then you throw LeBron James in there, and in 05-06, it was the first season that he averaged 30 points a game. He averaged 31.1 points per game, or 31.4 points per game in 05-06 by putting up 6.6 assists and 7 rebounds. It's one of his better seasons, really. So you throw that into the mix of a team that's already playing a style of basketball – that teams try to build LeBron around, try to build around LeBron right now. I mean, look at the Lakers. They have big men down low that are athletic and that they can spread the floor a little bit. I mean, I guess AD spreads the floor, but they had the big man down low and then they had the shooters around him. That's how this Grizzlies team was built. This the 0506 Grizzlies team, I mean, you said it to me earlier today. You flip them and you put them into the NBA now, they would have been a successful team. They were built like a team was today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I like how you throw in the, the 0506 team and as like that window, but I do think it would have been after 0506 because I don't think the, the Palgasol trade would have never happened for one. And two, I mean, you have LeBron entering like peak powers and that's when he really started to like take hold of the East and dominate the East at like 22, 23, 24 years old. So you have him, Pau Gasol. Those were Mike Miller's best statistical seasons. And it was honestly like historic when you look back at it. And then also when you factor in that the the Lakers would have never had Kobe and Pau. And San Antonio kind of had like their off period in their dynasty era. Like after they won the finals in 06, 07, I mean, they lost in the Western Conference Finals, lost in the first round, lost in the semis, lost in the first round, lost in the Western Conference Finals. So, like, I feel like the Grizzlies, that window was there probably like between 06, 07, and then 09, 2010, which is ultimately, like, when LeBron ended up catapulting Cleveland into the NBA's elite. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that that's fair because his run with Cleveland to the finals his first time was around 06, 07, 07, 08. I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure it was the 2007 finals. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's when he went up against the Spurs. And if we're being completely honest, like you said, any of those Grizzlies rosters that we just kind of talked about, they were better than those Cleveland teams. And like you said, you would have you eliminated the Powell-Kobe pairing in LA. So there would like, I guess Dallas would have been the team that they really had to get through in the Spurs, but with LeBron and the roster that we had, I think they could have done that. Like, I really do think that the Grizzlies would have ended up in the finals if we had LeBron James for seven seasons. It just, the team would have continued to build around them 
and Powell would have stayed. He just that would that trade would have never happened. So I, I'm with you there. I agree there. Mm-hmm. And I'm also wondering, like, what it would have done for like the rest of the moves they had going forward, because now that's the interesting one. Yeah, like in that mix of you know that between 0304 and 0506 they had a lot of really good wings i mean you've mentioned shane battier mike miller yeah james posey bonzi wells um, they had that big mega trade that brought in eddie jones and bobby jackson i just i don't know like what kind of moves would have been made there but like two things to kind of consider there is one i think regardless um you would have they would have had Kyle Lowry and they would have never been in a position to get Mike Conley if they had LeBron James. Right. Right. And I, I'm sorry, it's LeBron for one. Do they move Shane? You know how they move Shane Battier for Rudy Gay on draft night? Right. Like, what does that move look like now since like Rudy Gay would be like where LeBron was? So, right. I mean, do they make that similar I, trade and go get like a. JJ Redick or Brandon Roy in the draft? Uh, I don't know. I think they probably would have done something similar. It would have, it would probably depend on if they thought that the small ball thing with LeBron was a possibility back then. Um, like if they thought he could play the four and Powell could play the five, that's one thing I think they would have probably explored with because it was around that time that we started seeing LeBron really show defensively how versatile he was he was defend like in the NBA finals or in the in the Eastern Conference finals when they went up against the Orlando Magic there were many times when LeBron had to had to guard power forward or even when he was on Dwight Howard because that Magic team was built so differently they were built so big and they all of them could shoot so LeBron was having to play bigger in that series so that was really the first time we saw his ability to do that so I'm curious if the Grizzlies would have thought okay well we can have we can have LeBron at the four Maybe we could we could have Shane at the at the three, but would they have wanted to try to upgrade with Rudy at the three? Um, now, if I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't have hated if they had tried Rudy at the three with LeBron at the four. I don't know if that would have worked because Rudy wasn't the best ball sharer. He didn't really like to pass it very much, so Shane may have been, have been a better fit there. Now, I like your point about Kyle Lowry because the one thing is you have LeBron for seven seasons. You never get G&G. You never get Tony Allen. You probably never make a trade for Zach Randolph. Marcus All is never a Grizzly because you never make the Pow trade. So that is an interesting discussion. So what do you think the Grizzlies would have looked like post-LeBron? Post-LeBron. Because I don't think I don't think that he would have stayed. I still think that he would have left in 2010-2011 to go to Miami, whether it was the Grizzlies, whether it was – whether it was Cleveland, I just think that the everything kind of aligned to where Miami was going to be the perfect spot for him there because I do think the Grizzlies would have kind of been getting to the end of that run with LeBron. They would have seen the writing on the wall and they would have started prepping for it. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't have imagined LeBron having this like nice long career in Memphis at all. I do think it would have been a rookie deal plus his extension. And then he would have gone to like a Miami or Los Angeles or even Chicago, New York. I don't know. I know one thing for sure is that lottery window would have been pushed back from that 2007 to 2009 to more like 20, like 2011, 2013. So like some of the top guys around then were Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, 
Damian Lillard, Victor Oladipo. Granted, that's just the good ones. I mean, they surely had a lot of bust in the top five to seven range in all three of those drafts. And that's not really worth mentioning, but it's also like a frightening possibility. With the Pau Gasol deal, that's one thing that's also good to keep in mind is, yeah, you, they're not going to have Mark Saul, and that trade would have been pushed back three years at least. I think it would have been something similar to that Minnesota-Cleveland-Kevin Love trade where they brought back in Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, and a pick. I think that's probably would have been a similar deal, you know, like a high two players with good draft pedigree. I don't want to say that Anthony Bennett was high upside when Wiggins was, but they had that pedigree of number one picks. I think you could have seen something like that. And that's what your team would have built around. It had been built around the picks you got from paying your debt for hopefully a championship or two. And then whatever package you got for Palcasol. Right. Right. They would have definitely had to rebuild through the draft lottery and, um, it would have been difficult because the one thing about being a small market, like if the only reason Cleveland really survived LeBron leaving was because he came back. Uh, if he had never come back, Cleveland would be in an even worse spot than they're in now. And they're not in a great spot. So it would have been difficult times after LeBron left. So it's one of those things where you can, you can ask yourself the question, would you have rather had a seven year run with LeBron that could have netted one or two championships? Or would you have rather had, the G&G era that led into the era that we're going into now with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Because if you landed one of those lottery guys in 2011, 12, 13, you probably wouldn't have been in position to land John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Because you still would have had a, a Kyrie Irving around or a Damian Lillard around or, or some or some a player along those lines. So I think the Grizzlies now probably would have been somewhere in the middle of the NBA. Uh, it just depends on the guys that they put around them. So the only thing, though, with the Grizzlies is that their drafting in those years was god-awful. So we can't really trust that they would have picked the best players. And that's that's a little wrinkle to this whole thing as well. So um, now I want to ask you this. How do you think, I guess, the fan base in Memphis would have reacted to a LeBron run and then him leaving? Do you think that fans would have understood it? Or do you think they would have felt kind of, I guess <sighs> – not, I guess, shunned away by LeBron. Do you think it would have hurt the city, or do you think that they would have responded similar to Cleveland did? And do you think that the Miami decision would have been any different for LeBron? Do you think he would have thought that it was such a hard decision considering he wasn't leaving his own hometown? Do you think that the, the decision may not even happen? He may have just announced it because it wouldn't have been a huge deal that he was leaving Memphis, you know? Um, just consider that there are still people to this day 12 years later that are still salty about John Kyle Perry leaving. <laughs> that's um, a great point. Holy crap. That's a great point. Yeah. But the difference is I think LeBron would have actually brought a championship. I mean, that's true. Mm-hmm. You have LeBron James, Pau Gasol, Mike Miller. Okay. One thing I want you to think about real quick. Could you have imagined first seat, like opening night in the FedEx form, like within the first quarter, Jay will throws an alley-oop to LeBron James. It would have it would have melted the city. There would have been fires in the streets of of excitement. Like it's those teams would have been must must watch television. Must watch. It's the the pace that they would have played with would have been different than any NBA team back then because they had the speed and the shooting to play different than any other team. It's truly it really is weird how you go back and you look at that team and how it's built 
and how they played. I mean, they were shooting 16 threes a game back then, which for that time in the NBA was a lot. It was, it was not much. Some teams were only taken between like eight and 10 a game. I mean, in 2004, 2005, I think there was a finals game that was like in the 80s for the score. I think one team may have been in the 70s. So the, the Grizzlies would have had some firepower and they would have had some speed. They would have been high on the league pass rankings. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, to finish like that question that you asked, I think there would have been an initial period for like a year or two where there would have been pain with LeBron James. I think it would have only lasted a year or two if he won a title in Memphis. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, he brought a championship to the city. And John Calipari never brought a championship to the city. Now, if, right, he, like if he had won in 08, people wouldn't hate him. Right. And I think also there is a bit more animosity in Cleveland because LeBron is their son, their savior. Right. He is it for Cleveland sports, and he will be for the rest of time. And I just don't think that animosity or hate from that dis- – or the, even the hurt and the pain that they had will ever be replicated in sports ever again. Okay. I'll accept that answer. Yeah, I think that's true. And Now, I think what's also interesting, if we go back and we look kind of at LeBron's just numbers in general, is because he would have been on those better teams in Memphis. So do you think it would have hurt or helped his MVP races? I think he probably would have ended up with about the same amount. He may have actually netted one, maybe one more, because the Grizzlies would have been such a contender with him. I think it may have elevated him. Like one of the years that Nash won, he may have been able to steal away. Um, so I, I like looking back at the Grizzlies roster, I think his assist numbers would have gone up. I think his points per game would have gone down maybe a little bit because he was averaging like 31, 30, 29 points per game. And I don't know if he would have to do that as much on that Grizzlies roster. So I think his assists would have gone up, but I think his rebounding numbers – would have probably gone down a little bit because we had Powell and Lorenzen Wright and Stroh Miles Swift and Hakeem Warwick running around down there. Um, his defensive numbers would have been still fantastic, though, which would have been fun to see. He shot the, he shot the three better than I remember, too, back then. He became, what, Kobe's 1B in, like, 2007? About a time yeah, he was like it, it's, old? Like, looking at basketball reference right now, there is a clear jump. Like, 05-06, which was the first year I brought up, was kind of the first flash in the pan of, oh, oh shit, this guy could definitely be the best guy in our league for years to come. And then he really put it all together in 07-08 because that's the first year he averaged uh, plus seven rebounds and assists per game with multiple steals and uh, more than one block a game. So he really put it together in that 07-08 year, which makes a ton of sense because that's the year he had that finals run with that team that was essentially a Bellevue team with LeBron James towards the end of that cap like if you look at that 2007 finals team with Cleveland and Jamario Moon like come on like (laughs) they flopped I have a good question so where would you rank Pau Gasol among greatest teammates of LeBron if they would have teamed up together because I think he might have been behind um, Wayne Wade and Anthony Davis yeah and- I was gonna I was yeah I was gonna say he would be he because he'd be better than Bosch yeah I mean Pau Gasol is better than Chris Bosch yeah I mean that can be an argument but he is 
he just he, he was a better player than Chris Bosh. Um, so yeah, I think he probably would have been right behind Dwayne Wade and AD because I think that it's there's no real argument that anyone's better than Dwayne Wade. And there's no real argument that anyone's better than AD. If AD gets a ring with LeBron, I think he could jump Wade. But for now, yeah, I think it would be two Wade, three AD, four Pal, five Bosh. Mm-hmm. And then not even considering if Pal would have had LeBron with him, but even if he had a Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade, or even if a Twin Towers formed with Chris Bosh, do you think his legacy in Memphis and his just perception in Memphis would be extremely different? Absolutely, because he would have ended up being the most beloved Grizzlies because you would have eliminated the core four from that conversation. They wouldn't have been around, and you would have almost had the Pau Gasol run with LeBron James, and that would have been what we looked like. We would have looked back on that era similarly that we looked back on the G&G era. It would have been what was special to the Grizzlies. And, I mean, yeah, the next era after LeBron with Dame or Kyrie or whomever we may have drafted after could have been special. But I do think that Powell would have really, really cemented himself as a Grizzlies great then because, I, I mean, we talked about it a lot of times on this podcast. Powell doesn't get enough credit uh, that he deserves as, as a Grizz. Yeah, his – his exit may have been kind of ugly, but, I mean, the Grizzlies weren't going anywhere. He needed to go somewhere. It ended up being a trade that helped both franchises at the time. It was a terrible trade. Just go look what Popovich said. But at the end of the day, it worked out for the Grizzlies, and it worked out for Powell. So it was, it was the best decision that needed to happen. So, um, But, yeah, with LeBron, dude, he would be beloved. Like, you want to talk about us building statues for the core four? There would have been a LeBron statue out there with, with Powell. Mm-hmm. And – Everybody forgets that Pau Gasol, or at least Memphis fans, I would feel like forget that Pau Gasol was awesome next to Kobe. And yeah. there's, there's arguments that people like nationally have said that that second title that they won together, Pau could have been the finals MVP that year. And it he, probably would have been the right choice. If you go back and you watch that series, Kobe was unbelievable. He was Kobe. Pau Gasol is the reason they won that series. Kobe, I think he's talked about it in an interview, and you even heard Kevin Durant, I think on, on when he was on Bill Simmons' podcast recently with Adam Sandler promoting Uncut Gems, they talked about that series, and they talked about Kobe, and he talked about Pau. He said when Pau started bullying people instead of getting bullied, it changed the Lakers. It changed the way that they operated. When Pau decided to get tough, they were unbeatable because you had Kobe there, with Powell, and they didn't have a weak spot. You couldn't attack Powell. You couldn't get in his head anymore. He was the number two guy next to Kobe. And I just feel like he just, for some reason, doesn't get enough credit. And everyone likes to say he was this soft player. And he may have been at one point, but by the, by in his prime when he was in L.A., he was a top, like, 15 guy in the league. Easy. He was basically Kevin Love before Kevin Love. He mm-hmm. was awesome. Like, people forget about how good Powell Gasol was. And with LeBron, give me a break. He would have – Oh, my God. He, the open looks he would have gotten, the pick and roll with LeBron, good God. It would have been nasty. I think he would have been a like, 24 and 11 guy. And that yeah. finals, into the 2010 finals, the one that everybody says he should have won a VP, he averaged about 19 and 12, four assists and three blocks. And for that playoffs in general, he averaged 19 – about almost 20 a game, 11 rebounds, three and a half assists, two blocks. I mean, he was a monster. And he's arguably a top 10 power forward all time. 
Yeah, and it's not like he was going up against scrubs too. Like he was going up against like Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett and the Celtics, and then that Orlando Magic team. They were tough teams, you know. It's not like he was going up against some soft big men. Um, now let me ask you this: I just kind of thought of this. So, since Powell would have stayed longer in Memphis, Mark Gasol was kind of this asset that the Lakers had, right? Do you think there's any way Powell would have been like, "Yo, go get him"? For the Grizzlies, do you just, do you think that there's any way that he could have still ended up being a Grizzly because Powell would have been in Memphis still and he would have wanted his brother here? Ooh, okay. Um, actually, I can see that happening as like a way of like saying, "Look here, you want me to stay? Go get my brother." Right. I can now, see because that. it could have been something like this. Let's say that LeBron's leaving. Wade, because the draft, we're, we're messing with the draft a little bit. Don't have that friendship and that pool to Miami. Could there have been a possible like sign and trade deal that involved, involved Marcus Saul and some prospects for LeBron? Could have happened. And then you would have possibly gotten LeBron and Kobe. Oh my God. I just got myself super excited. That was really deep. And. I think the only thing I could have thought of is like, don't laugh when I say this, <laughs> but Lamar Odom and Mark and some picks. Yo, dude. Or do they go get Bynum? That it's. Ooh, see, I don't know because wasn't Bynum already kind of having like issues with his knees and his attitude and stuff back then, like around 2010, 2011. I think Wasn't that was he already kind of a kind of out of the rotation or the or not not out of the rotation, but I feel like that the writing was on the wall that he wasn't going to be a long term dude. Now Bynum, that dude doesn't get enough credit too. He was awesome, but I think that something centered around like Lamar would have been great. Yeah, I think. But then you wouldn't have gotten Lamar and, and the Kardashians, so we would have missed out on that. There's the ripple effect of LeBron in Memphis is massive. Dude, it's so huge, and actually Bynum was. Uh, I think around that 2011 period was when he was getting injuries. But yeah. in that 2011-12 season, he played in 60 of the 66 games from the lockout, and he averaged about 19 and 12 in two blocks. Okay. And he even averaged 16 and 11 in that short playoff run where it really was like the demise of that Kobe, Powell, Bynum, Odom, Laker team. Mm-hmm. And that was – when he had that whole thing where he took JJ Barea out of the air and that was really his last moment in the NBA because I mean, injuries yeah. derailed the rest of his year or right. career. Right. Um, okay. And then another thing uh, that I kind of thought because you're, you're a big Jersey guy and you like, and you asked me the question a couple podcasts ago, uh, would John Morant's Jersey become an all timer? Imagine a Vancouver LeBron James Jersey. Bro. I, I don't it think it would have been it would have been like a Vince Carter Raptors jersey. It would have been that same level of iconic. I don't think it would have I think they weren't gonna go with the Vancouver Grizzly jersey that soon because of it was just kind of painful at the oh, time. I'm for, ta- I'm talking about like the edits people would have, like the off brand stuff. Because back then they would have been like the throwback Grizzlies jerseys, which would have still been really cool uh for LeBron. But I'm talking like the third party like you just find someone made one kind of deal because yeah, I think that the timeline would have been similar because the Vancouver fans were 
were still a little weird about they, I mean, they still are a little weird about the Vancouver Memphis thing. Yeah. I do think it would have been a fresh Jersey. If it ever surfaced yes. anywhere, it would have been dope. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you had LeBron in Memphis for seven years, uh, the Bronny to Memphis talks when he gets to college, man, that would have been something serious too. It's already something a little serious. So, you know, that would have been fun. It's just the the different storylines that would have happened with LeBron here. Uh, I think it would have been a positive for the Grizzlies. I do. I think it would have been a positive for the franchise. I think moving forward, they would have had some down years after he left. But I do think that they would have bounced back and they would have been so cemented with the city and with the NBA already it would have been really tough to beat him down. So I think it would have been something fun to happen. So, but you, you brought up an interesting question in kind of the notes when we were prepping the show, let's say 2003, they don't get LeBron, but they have a shot at one of the other top guys. Who would they have taken? Who do you think they would have grabbed? So if the trade for Otis Thorpe never happened. Right. All right. Uh, I think there would have been a lot of pushback if they didn't take Carmelo Anthony because he was 19 years old. He had just won the national championship. He's this electrifying scorer at the three. I think Carmelo would have been the popular pick. And now I heard this was what Gary Parrish said on our show a few weeks ago. Or draft for need. You draft for talent. And I think he would have had to go with Carmelo just because after LeBron, he was the most talented prospect. Granted, Wade had the most success, and he was just as talented. But Carmelo was just a different monster, and he was really like one of the best scores we had ever seen from the time he entered the league until about 2014 in his last yeah. good year with the Knicks. Dude, yeah, Melo – it's he's one of those players too, which I think that down the road I hope they do like a thirty for thirty on or like a revisionist history kind of thing because he gets he gets pooped on way too much. Like when Melo was in his prime, dude, he was like a top five guy in the league. He was, I mean, he finished and he finished top five in MVP score uh, voting multiple times for a reason. Now Melo in Memphis, I think, would have been very similar to Melo in Denver. I think that though that timeline would have probably gone about the same. Um, I agree with you. I think that the Grizzlies would have been pressured and, and felt the pressure to go with Melo, which would have been a good pick. I think that Wade would have been the best fit and would have been more successful in Memphis than Melo because going back and looking at that roster, uh, you and I were kind of surprised at how stacked the Grizzlies were at small forward. I mean, they had Shane Battier, Mike Miller, and Dante Jones right then, so you could have just slid in Dwayne Wade right there at the two and just run with that squad. That would have been a pretty dangerous team. Mm-hmm. And you, we mentioned like how they were stacked at small forward. Could you have imagined the starting lineup of Jay Will, Dwayne Wade, Shane Battier, Pagasol, Lorenzen Wright, and then Mike Miller off the bench? Yeah, that like would that, have been electrifying. That's a, that's a top seed in the playoffs, man. It would have been it would have been a really good run with them. And then you add one more piece to that with Wade's defensive ability, dude. Woo wee! You talk about the love for Tony Allen because he was a defensive stopper add the offensive end to it and see what happens. Right. And that 0506 Dwayne Wade, like when he won the championship, he was awesome. He averaged like 30 a game that year. And now it's his third season. Yeah. Dude, and that, that's why the 03 draft, how quickly those guys are able to dominate the league is pretty impressive because we're used to it kind of now, younger guys coming in and by, by year one or two, they're, 
some of the top guys in the league. But, like, back then it used to take rookies a little bit longer to, like, get into the flow of the NBA and for even coaches to trust them or play them a lot. But these guys came in and just immediately were like, this is my team now. Get out of the way. Except for Darko Milicic. <laughs> Except for Darko Milicic. Oh, man. Okay, can uh, I, I fire another podcast? Can I fire off my take real quick about? Yeah, do it, man. Of course. About our former Grizzly Darko Milicic. Um, honestly, also too, if you're not familiar with Darko Milicic's time with the Memphis Grizzlies, just search on YouTube Darko Milicic rips jersey. One of the best videos you'll ever see out of the Memphis Grizzly uniform, but. I do like this idea that Bill Simmons always says about the idea of like, if you ran a simulation of a player's career 10 times, X amount of times you get a better scenario, X amount of times you get a worse one. And I do think with Darko Milicic, what went down was that worst case scenario simulation. And I even think that, and they dra- granted, I, I think there would have been a lot of pushback if they drafted him. But if they would have fed him that developmental time next to Pau Gasol, where they're actually feeding him minutes and allowing him to gain continuity with another budding European star, I think you could have seen the best versions of Darko that people were expecting. Granted, that's... That's just a take. Like, I'm not saying that Darko was some special player or anything that just didn't get the right amount of time in Detroit. I thought there was just a bit of wrong on both ends between Detroit and Darko. Right. And But I do think if he could have gone to a place like Memphis, played with a guy like Powell, with a point guard like Jason Williams – and a coach like Hubie Brown, I think his career would have looked much, much more different. Yeah, it's also harder to – like you, you've got Beale Street and stuff, but it's a lot harder to party as much as he did in Memphis than it, it would be like a city like Detroit or the areas around it. And That's one thing we – you brought up Hubie. We didn't talk about that. LeBron would have had probably the best coach he's had. You could – like Spolstra, you could talk about that. But Hubie Brown would have like automatically been the best coach he had, right? Yeah, because even Spolstra, it took a little bit for him to f- figure it out. Honestly, right. Spolstra didn't become an elite coach until LeBron until, left. After LeBron, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Hubie Brown would have really opened up LeBron's game. That would have been fun to see. Yeah, I I think Hubie would have been the second best coach LeBron's ever had. Third, if you want to count Coach K in his little – um. And then the Stuff. USA stuff, yeah. Yeah. Also, oh, I guess another ripple effect to this that we haven't really discussed is that would Jerry West have stayed if you had a player like LeBron? Yes. And I'm going to go for something so even hotter. you would have hotter. never gotten a Chris Wallace. I want to go for something even hotter. Does he push more aggressively to try to trade for Kobe? Holy shit. Because Kobe Maybe. wanted out for a little bit. He did one out. Hmm. He, because now, if we talk about that, it would have had to involve Powell. You would have had to get rid of Powell, probably, right? Or do you think that, like, Jay, hmm. Or do you think that, like, a Jason Williams, like, Battier Miller package or something like that could have gotten it done? That wow. would have been, 
that would have been interesting. It's I do think that there is a real possibility if LeBron had gotten drafted in Memphis, he would have paired up with Kobe somehow. I think it's more likely it would have happened in L.A. than in Memphis. But I do think that it would have had a higher chance of happening than, it, than of course, what we actually got. I agree. And before this just goes off the rail, I could just keep on going into all these ripple effects, <laughs> to be honest. But we're about running out of time here, Connor. Do you have any final thoughts? Because this is like your, your lane. It's LeBron yeah. and the Memphis Grizzlies. I guess here's my final thought. And it's, it's going to be pretty surprising, I think. I think it's for the better that LeBron was never drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies. I think it would have been awesome. I think that run would have been incredible. We would have loved it. We, I still would love the Grizzlies as much as I love them now as I did then. But the heartache of losing LeBron would have really hurt. Um, we never would have gotten the GNG. We wouldn't have John Jaron. We like so. It would have been trading seven years for a possible like twenty-year love affair. You know what I mean? So I think at the end of the day, not getting LeBron and the Otis Thorpe trade happening like it did may have actually been for the better, even though we may have reached higher peaks, if that makes any sense. Yeah, just between like not even the heartache of losing LeBron, but Carmelo Anthony left eventually, but and those Denver Nugget teams were really good. They were better than any version of the Memphis Grizzlies that would have transpired with Carmelo. Same with right. those Miami Heat teams with Dwayne Wade. I think the same thing with Chris Bosh, especially with that positional overlap with him and Powell. So like, you're right. Like There would have been heartache that we haven't really experienced in our Memphis Grizzlies fandom. I think the closest thing we got to it was Pau Gasol demanding a trade, but by then a lot of fans just wanted him out anyways. They kind of right. made him the scapegoat. Right. Like, luck, I mean, luckily for Grizzlies fans, a lot of the heartache that we have is more of a nostalgic heartache. It is a when it was Tony's last game or when it was Zebo's last game or when Mike and uh, Mark got traded. It's That was the heartache that we experienced. We, we experienced heartache with, the, with also happiness. With LeBron leaving, it would have just been, oh my God, what are we going to do now? But when the other guys left, we saw a future. We saw a plan ahead, or at least, I guess, one formed after we got lucky with the lottery, with the lottery balls and John Morant. But it, it would have been a little rockier, I think, with LeBron leaving because we wouldn't have had all of those memories. We would have just kind of had that run. I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, Connor, go ahead and plug your stuff in. Let the people know where they can find you. Yeah. You can, uh, you know, listen every single day still to 92.9 FM ESPN uh, from 2 to 4. That's Gino and Jeffrey. I go on the show now every day at 2.45 to talk about movies and TV. Um, right now we have a really cool promotion going on over at 92.9 ESPN where it's, it's called a shout-out to the Mid-South out, uh, Senior Athletes. Basically it is a photo album that we're putting together. I'm going to shout-out some senior athletes every single day starting May 1st on air just to – you know, like these kids, they deserve the moment in the spotlight. A lot of us were athletes in high school, and we, we got senior nights. We got senior days. I mean, some of us were college athletes, not me definitely, but I have some friends that were seniors. And if they didn't get their senior goodbye, it, it would have hurt. So I feel for some of the kids out there, and I don't think that all of us posting our senior pictures really did much for them. So let's, let's give them an album and give them a, spot, a, a, a platform to shine. So go do that right now at 929ESPN.com. Just, just – Send in a senior athlete that you know and let me know about it, and I'll read them off on air to give them a shout-out. 
Also follow me at, on Twitter at cdunny 99 Yes, you heard the man. Do all that because, you know, these are crazy times and it hits a lot of people harder. I mean, whether it's loved ones getting the virus or the college senior not getting that last semester before going into the real world or the high school senior not getting a bunch of their last, including, you know, like their spring seasons or graduations or proms or whatever. Is, and it's just a hard time out there and just be sure to do what you can and just generate some positive news and just put a smile on someone's face. Exactly. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you read all the work at grizzlybearblues.com. Be sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. And with that, that's it.